Well, hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. My name is Jack Benyon and joining me this week is a pair of very special guests, Alan Jr. and the author of his new book, Checkered Past, Jade Gerst. In this book, we get an in-depth story, the likes of which we've probably never heard before. There's the story of a two-time IndyCar champion and two-time Indy 500 winner, one of the most exciting and entertaining drivers of his era. Then there's the behind-the-scenes battle Al faced with his mental health, substance abuse issues, publicity and fractious relationships in and outside of motorsport. Al has revealed all in this latest book in the hopes of his story helping others out. Al, thank you so much for joining us today. I wanted to start by asking what made this the right time for you to commit this story to paper and just how difficult was it for you to put you know, many of those topics down out in the open? You know, So many personal things that you've talk, talked about in this book. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, thanks for having us on, you know, and uh, pleasure. Um, I guess it was, it was just the timing of it. You know, uh, we got the, the world got shut down at COVID, you know, and, and, uh, in what March of 2020. And, and so, um, I just decided, you know, I started thinking that now would be a good time to, uh, to start becoming an author. You know, I wanted to be able to tell my story. So actually I went online and, and, and got, went to an author school and I had all my post-its and da, 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 da. And, um, I started writing and, um, and I got to the 89 Indy 500 with, uh, with Emerson and, and, and I just, it, it became right then it became too important on, uh, on making sure that I got things right. And so, um, it was difficult. I am not an author. Okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, uh, I phoned up Jade and I said, hell, can you help me please? And Jade goes, of course, you know, so, so really that's how it all started. And, and, uh, Jade has done an absolutely superb job, brilliant job of, 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 of taking my words and put it on paper. And, uh, and the, the writing is just super good. So, and Jade, this must have been an absolute author's dream to have someone so well known and someone so celebrated in, in the world of motorsport, but also someone who maybe hasn't told some of these stories like he has done before in this book. You know, it gives you so much range to, to kind of bring those stories to life that, you know, it seems so strange that someone so famous maybe hasn't had those stories told. And that's given you a brilliant opportunity in this book. Absolutely. Um, you know, Al and I go way back. Uh, I was at Ilmore, which was then building the Mercedes engines, uh, in the nineties. And then we reconnected, uh, with the book beast, which is about the 94 Indy 500 that Al was the victor. And so when he reached out, I couldn't say yes, fast enough. It was just, uh, a great opportunity. And right off the bat, he was very open, very honest, and that that made it compelling for me. I don't know how, if I would have been as interested if he would have said, oh, we're not going to talk about my personal life or, or my, my struggles. Um, but the fact that he was so open and the fact that he really wants to tell his story to help others that may be in a similar situation uh, – it, it just, it, you're right. It was a great opportunity and something that, uh, you know, was very, it's very challenging, but I, I like that challenge. It uh, makes it more rewarding. Sure. 
Well, Al, I wanted to start with you in, in kind of 1990, because I think that's a really kind of pivotal year in, in the book and in your career as well. And that was when you obviously sealed the championship. And I believe just going back to that year, that was kind of the first time you noticed a bit of a kind of personal struggle developing in the sense of you had this, you know, you had your competitive career on track and, and things were going well on that side, but there was a bit of self-esteem and, and some things that you were struggling with maybe in private in that season that were quite important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, that was when... Really, the, the, the two owls, and I describe it in the book, the two owls really started to separate, uh, you know, with my personal life, um, with Shelly and, and uh, the substances that, 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 that was getting out of hand. And, but then on the racing side, you know, there, there, there wasn't a blemish there. You know, we were winning races, um, figuring things out in the race car and, and, and the team and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, I do go into detail in, in the book about, you know, the, the two owls started showing up and, and, uh, and they, then as the years went on, they just got further and further and further apart. And so, yeah. I think 1995, Jade, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, because I think maybe that was, you know, the kind of after that was the time when people maybe saw the two owls kind of diverging a, a bit more in, in kind of, you know, it, it became a bit more um, visible, but 95 was obviously a, a big year for Alan and for Penske. You mentioned 94 and the the success there, Jade, and obviously you've written the book Beast, which you can go back and, and listen to our podcast that we did earlier in the year on, on that to learn a little bit more about, uh, about Beast and obviously pick up a copy of Beast as well, because Jade's a fantastic author and that's a brilliant book. So that's a nice little plug for you there, Jade. But 90, <laughs> 90, 95, yeah, the you. year after was obviously when Penske failed to qualify. And I wanted to get your kind of views on this because you're a, a racing fan as much as anything else and, and, and kind of love this era. And I know you loved finding out so much more about this era through writing Al's book, obviously. So what, what were the kind of things that maybe surprised you a little bit or, or things that you learned surrounding 1995 that people maybe didn't know beforehand that come out in the book and, and give a bit of a more complete picture, let's say, about what was happening behind the scenes there? Yeah. Um, 95 was uh, very critical because Al had won the pole at the Indy 500. He had won the race and then he was the champion uh, in 1994, IndyCar champion. So to get to Indianapolis in 1995 was the infamous month where Penske uh, did not qualify with uh, Al and his teammate Emerson Fittipaldi. Um, it, it was a huge story, a momentous moment uh, in the history of, of the 500 and of, of Al and, and of Penske. But Again, you mentioned it as a fan. I had never learned why or how or what was happening behind the scenes. We all, you know, were familiar with you know what was happening on track, and so, um, you know, with the book Beast, everyone's happy to share their part of a success. Sure, uh, you know, success has many fathers, uh, but the '95 indie. Uh, being being such a huge moment uh, on the other side of that coin, uh, I, I was just thrilled as a fan. And Al was great about describing what was happening, the emotions, the the, the sort of the frenzy of trying to find speed in not just the Penske's but in the other cars that they tried. 
it's it's one of my favorite sections of the book, and I think it gives readers a lot of insight that's never been shared before about a very famous month of May um, without the Penske's in the race. And Al, I guess you know that was a, a an obviously a difficult time for you, and it's it's not a particularly nice one to to necessarily reflect on. But I just wondered, kind of, what your what your feeling was in terms of how sort of mental health was treated back then in, in that period. And obviously, you know, I can imagine it's definitely not as, you know, kind of well known about now and kind of well as well accepted, but how, how big a, how big a problem was that for you in your racing career that people maybe weren't understanding of, of mental health issues as, as they are now, let's say. Well, it, you know, it was, um, today is, is definitely a, a different time, which, which I think, um, the timing of the book, it be, being released now, um, I, I just look at it as, as, as a God thing. And, you know, mental, mental health, mental illness, all that kind of stuff is, is being discussed more and more and more. The stigma of it, it, it people are, are, are understanding it a lot better uh, today than they did, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. And, and, uh, and so... I'm real happy that about the fact that that we do get to discuss this kind of stuff and and uh, you know with the stresses of of you know going out there and searching for speed and not getting it um, that's when it really gets tough you know and uh, and so um, with me uh, you the way I dealt with that kind of thing was was the only way I knew how which was the substances. And, and so, um, it was a terrible, terrible merry-go-round that, that, that I was on. And, and, uh, and so, you know, the 95 Indy 500 actually was the most diversity I had ever, ever faced in, in my whole life. And, and, uh, and so it was, it was extremely difficult, you know, and, and, and I go into detail on the, in the book, you know, it just, it just wasn't one thing. It wasn't, it wasn't me and, and, and the, the illness that I had, the substance use disorder that I had, it was a number of things that were accumulating all together that, um, that caused Penske racing to, to miss the show as, as defending champions. And so, um, now with, uh, with all the discussions, the open discussions about the mental health, you know, um, uh, there's so many things about mental health that, uh, that it's just great that, that, that we get to talk about it now with my case, you know, how I dealt with it was, was run into the substances and, and, and doing that. And so, uh, we get into detail on in the book as life goes on and and how um, I actually survived this whole this this whole thing. And, and, and to be honest with you, working with Jade on this book was really uh, healthy for me. It was it was something that uh, um, that was good to relive these things in detail, you know. I mean, there was a few times that, 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 that I just broke down, you know, with Jade and, and, uh, and Jade was so kind, you know, he go, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to stop here. We're going to pick up tomorrow or, or what have you. And, and, uh, 
and regain my composure and all that because, you know, um, especially around the time in the, the late 90s when, when uh, I lost my teammate at, at Laguna Seca, Alex Rodriguez, uh, then the very next race, Greg Moore uh, has his accident and, and he was such a good man. And, and then, you know, so, so those times, you know, how do you deal with that? I mean, you know, the, the race car, I hate it when that side of our business rares up, which, you know, racing is extremely dangerous. And, and, and so, um, but, you know, today, you know, the, the safety just keeps getting better and better and better. And, 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 and that's what we all hope for is to, to get out there and compete and, um, you know, you're, when you're pushing the envelope, you're going to have accidents, but today they, 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 they seem to be walking away from it more and more and more. And, 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 uh, you know, that, that just is, is, is what it's all about really. I guess I was quite interested to ask you about the, what the people close to you kind of felt about the the book as well, because there'd be so many things in the book that, you know, not just necessarily about the, maybe the, the trials and, and tribulations you faced, but just even things like telling stories about races, like from behind the scenes that people maybe don't want, you know, little aspects of those to, to come out, I guess. So I was kind of interested in what the, the reaction was to, from, from your family and the people close to you about what, what this book was going to be like for them as well as for, for you. Well, so far it's, it's too early to tell. <laughs> you know, um, I think as more and more people read it, uh, my family members, I mean, they, they haven't even got the book yet. Okay. So I haven't even got the book yet. <laughs> so, so as soon as I get my allotment, um, you know, of course I'm going to, I'm going to share all of it with my family and, and, uh, and close friends and, and, and then we'll get their reaction when they, when they, uh, finish it. What about the, the, the kind of most rewarding story from, from the book for you? It doesn't necessarily have to be one of the, one of the tough ones. Maybe it's a, a particular kind of highlight in your career. You remember, and you really enjoyed retelling the story, but yeah, just kind of, I'm kind of interested to know, obviously there's so many different things in the book and it's going to be difficult to pick one, but is there any in particular that was, was you know, really rewarding for you to kind of put on paper? Well, on the, on the racing side, it was, uh, the 85 Pocono 500 when I was in the Domino's car and, and I was asked to, uh, at that time, you know, the, the, the announcers in the booth didn't talk to the drivers. And so, uh, I was one of the first ones that, uh, that they asked, you know, Hey, under yellow, would you be willing to, to, uh, talk to us? And I said, sure, sure. And, and it just so happened in, in that race, uh, my radios didn't work. My, my radios went out almost straight away and there wasn't a yellow flag until more than halfway through the race. So, so, you know, I did, we, we were doing our communications via the, the, the signboard, asking me questions, a, a, a closed fist was a no and an open hand was a yes. And so we were going along doing the race and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we're actually running really good. We were fighting for the lead the whole time. And, um, and then the first yellow comes out and all of a sudden it, it, Larry Newberg up in ESPN, he goes, Hey, Al, this is Larry Newberg. Can we talk to you? And it scared me to death because <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't had anybody in my radios. And, 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 and so I pushed the button. I go, I go, Larry, I can hear you. I mean, you can hear me. 
I mean, get your radio down to my guys right now. Would you do that? And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. So would you do the interview? And I said, sure, sure. And so uh, we settled down and we talked and, and, and it sounded like they actually got the radio down to, to, to Dennis Swan, my, my, my team manager there. And uh, to me, I was talking to Dennis. And so great. I got my radio communications back is what's in my mind. Well, what they did was they actually interviewed him on TV. So there was no radio that was given to him. The grace goes back green again. Um, Rutherford, Johnny Rutherford has, 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 a, has an accident one just a few laps later and it goes yellow. And so I pushed my button and I go, Dennis, do you want me to pit? You, nothing. Crickets. Do you want me to pit? Do you want me to pit? Crickets. And I'm leading the race, right? <laughs> And so, and so I, I pull down pit lane just in case I get to my pit and they're waving me on, waving me out. No, no, don't be in here. And so I get back on the, when I get back on the racetrack, I enter the track P2 behind Rick Mears. It starts sprinkling. Okay. We're more than halfway over. If it starts raining, the race is over. It's, it's, it's done. I was leading. Now I'm running second and I and I push the button and I go Larry Newberg can you hear me and he goes yeah I can hear you and as soon as he said that I pushed that button and I called him every name in the book I mean I went around that whole track just chewing his ass for a whole lap and a half I even lost my voice I went hoarse okay (laughs) just chewing him just I mean (laughs) that was one of the stories and then um and then as far as my personal life, the, the most rewarding is, 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 you know, giving my life to Jesus Christ and, and, and how that helped me through uh, so many of my mental issues and, and, and the, the substance abuse and, and that sort of thing. And, and then that, that now that's led me to um, meeting the, the, the woman of my life, Norma Lawrence and, uh, and so now, you know, today we, we, we even, we got married last week. So, um, as far as my personal life, it just couldn't, couldn't be any better at this time. I'm sure everyone's absolutely delighted to hear that. Jade, I've, I've got to ask you what your kind of maybe rewarding isn't the right word for you from, from this point of view, but what, what was kind of your favorite story to get across here or, or the one that you enjoyed most kind of putting out there from, from the book? Um, I love the chewing out the ESPN guy. I like that one as well. <laughs> um, it, it was, um, for me, there were several in the book that really revealed um, Al's humanity or Al's personality. Um, one of my favorites is, uh, they call Al the king uh, the king of the beach. He, he won six times at Long Beach, Long Beach Grand Prix, but one in particular, he... Uh, was a little too aggressive and, and smashed into the back of Mario Andretti. Uh, so Mario spun out and Al went on to win the race with only half of his front wing. And um, Al talked about the, the sort of the uh, disconnect between usually you win, you, you enjoy your wins so much and this one just felt hollow. Uh, and then several weeks later, he went to Mario's house, went to his home and had, um, 
a very sincere heart to heart with Mario. Uh, and Mario um, gave him some advice about being too aggressive or endangering yourself and others that it, it just, it was just such a powerful meeting and it had such a powerful impact on, on Al as well. Uh, I think we picture our sports heroes as it's only about winning. You know, Al could have said, well, screw him. I've won the long beach Grand Prix and I don't care, <laughs> but he did care. And he and Mario had a very strong, very powerful meeting. And it's, again, to me, it was the most, um, I don't know, genuine moment uh, that shows our sports heroes are very much human and have, uh, you know, the same uh, emotions that we do. Uh, they're not some uh, robotic superheroes. They're they're real people. So I don't know. That one stood out to me as as uh, you know, two of our greatest ever race dri- car drivers having a very uh, special meeting. Sure. Yeah, and, and and I went on to to use that advice for the rest of my career. You know, I mean that's that's how powerful that that one meeting was with with Mario and. And I intended it to be just with Mario, but Michael was there. <laughs> and so I kind of talk about, oh, I walked into a lion's den now, you know, like two against one kind of thing. And but um it turned out really, really well. And and you know, Mario and Michael have, have been such good friends of mine uh throughout my entire life and, and even today. Yeah. I've got to say, Al, the, the preface of the book is probably one of the best I've I've ever read. And I'm sure there'll be so many people out there who'll be, you know, shocked to hear some of the things that you've gone through and that their kind of hero, Al Unser Jr., you know, you even, you know, pondered suicide in, in 2012. And we're all so lucky to to have you here to tell us, you know, about this story and, and how far you've come since. And I just wondered if there's a message that, you know, if, if someone takes something away from this book, if there's a, a message or a, a point that you want them to take away, what, what would that be? What would you want them to, to kind of take from this? Really what, 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 what the, the goal is to get outside of the racing fishbowl. Okay. To, uh, to get in, in the world at large, hopefully my story can, can help with, Asking for help, that's, that's one of the toughest things for anybody with any kind of mental illness uh, across the board. It's asking for help. It's that first step, and, and it's the hardest one to take. And so um, if, if, if anybody has any, anything like that, if, if they just go out and, and, and ask for help, it'll be given to you in spades. And it begins the journey of, of recovery and um, uh, living a, a, a great life and, and a, 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 you know, a, a strong life, a confident life, that sort of thing. And, and, and it takes time. It takes years for that to happen. But, uh, you know, if my story can, can do anything, I would, I would hope that... Uh, that people uh, 
see my story and go, hey, yeah, it can it can work. And and so I'm going to go ask for help and start my journey on uh, on getting healthy and happy. And tell us a little bit about what life looks like for you at the moment. Obviously, you talked about, um, you know, getting married, which again, we congratulate you on. And there's, it seems like this book has helped you to to sort of continue this journey that you're taking where you're kind of moving forward and, and doing new things. And obviously you're helping kids with getting into motorsport at, at this point as well and, and things like that. So give us a little bit of a flavor about what you're kind of working on at the moment now the book's out of the way. Sure, sure. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, I'm, I'm with a, a Future Star Racing. Uh, it's a race team that, that uh, Mark McAllister uh, started. He's, he's new to, uh, to, to ownership and racing. He just loves racing. And, and so, um, he started a foundation called wings and wheels foundation to help with underprivileged kids. You know, you, 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 you race go-karts and then that next step out of go-karts to, to real race cars, which in our case is the formula four in SCCA and and fr the the formula regional um he's uh that step in dollars is just double or triple and so uh we want to uh mark's vision is to help uh kids with great talent great desire um that that just doesn't have that runs out of the funding there and so um you know it has to do with diversity also you know and and so um, we're we're both of us are at a time in our lives that we want to give back what was so freely given to us and and uh, I love Mark and Laura they're 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 a dream come true it allowed that they've allowed me to go and work with these kids and and honest to God when 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 I suggest something that works or something to them and they go out and it works they come back and they. They have this big grin on their face and they, hell, it worked, it worked, you know, kind of thing. And, and that's just a total win-win situation for me. It's like, even if they don't win the race, it's winning the race. And so um, I just love working with them. Well, I'm sure if there's kids out there, they get to work with Alonso Jr. That's never going to be a, a bad thing for them. They're definitely going to learn some some amazing things in the race car. So that's fantastic. Jade, I guess I just wanted to give you the opportunity to give us the, the sales spiel at this point and let people know where they where they can get the book and how they can get it and, and when they can get it and all those kind of things. Well, it's it's uh, it's available now. Uh, the publisher, Octane Press, you can order from their website, octanepress.com. Uh, Amazon, although uh, we've done so well, I think they're temporarily out of the hardcover right now, but uh, that will be back in stock. And then uh, the Kindle. Is that where your copy is gone? And that's where Al's copy is gone. They've they've had to give them to Amazon to sell the the last two copies. It may be. It may be. Both of us are sitting here. uh, I open my front door occasionally to look out to to see if the delivery (laughs) guy is around the neighborhood. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's agony for an author. The The greatest moment is when you get that package and you open it and you hold your book in your hands for the first time. So uh, Al and I are very much waiting for that. Um, but uh, really, the, the line is uh, anywhere books are sold. That's that's usually what I tell people. But uh, if it's uh, not arrived yet, uh, it certainly will be soon. And uh, we're both very anxious to hear the 
the feedback and the reaction and uh, to see what people think. Um, personally, I think the word of mouth on this book is going to be great once they read it and see uh, what Al's been through. I think, uh, I think it's going to be good. Well, I'm sure anyone who's read your books before will be very keen to read it. And also anyone who has checked out the recent Dale Jr. download where you went on that show <laughs> and talked about, I thought that was great, Jade. I wanted to bring this up quickly because I think there's so many kind of motorsport heroes in the background who don't really necessarily get the publicity. And for someone like Dale Jr. to recognize that and have you on the show and really, you know, give you that massive airtime that that, that show kind of creates is a, a massive thing, I think. So that's great. People should definitely go and check out and listen to that. And Al, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you this, but it's it's fantastic that you've opened up so much on this. And I'm sure there's going to be so many people who are, you know, just saved by this story that you've told and, and really helped out with with many, you know, even just simple racing things, I'm sure they'll be helped with and we'll learn things from, from your racing career, but also obviously the the personal life as well. And there's going to be uh, so many people, you know, just uh, really blown away by by what you've written. So congratulations to you both of you. Uh, I wish you all the best with the, with the book. That's all for this segment of the show. We're going to move on now and we're going to talk to Kyle Kirkwood, the Indy Lights champion. So looking forward to that. Al Kirkwood, Indy Lights champion. Welcome to the Raced IndyCar podcast. How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Jack. <laughs> no problem. What a year it's been and what a, what a three-year stretch it's been, I guess. You're the, the driver with the most wins in the road to Indy history. First driver to win all three championships in your rookie year. I think that's 30 wins in 48 starts now or something along those lines. It's been an absolutely incredible one. And this season, you've obviously won the Indy Lights championship with 10 wins seven poles and nine fastest laps. So that's not a, not, not a bad year in the, in the books. Yeah. Not, not a bad year and not, not a bad three seasons. Right. And, in, in road to Indy. Um, I mean, fortunately through the seasons, I've kind of always been in the best car in the best predicament. So it's all, it's all worked out really well. So a lot of it's due to the teams that I've been with those being Cape motorsports, RP motorsports and, and Andretti autosport, obviously this year. And yeah, I mean, I, I, it hasn't really settled in yet because uh, I'm, I'm really focused on next year at, at this moment and pushing to get something done. But um, it, it's incredible what we've done. And I'm sure uh, when I'm able to get back home here in, in the next couple of days, uh, it'll, it'll be able to settle in and be able to relax and kind of fo- look back at the years that I've had and in my junior formula yeah for sure career, I guess I guess in the earlier in the year you broke the win record and I, I asked you then you know kind of how, how that felt and were you able to kind of you know settle on that at the time and, and really appreciate it and I remember you saying that you couldn't because you obviously had a championship to win and you, you know your eyes were were really focused forward on on what was to come next so you know are you able to to stop and celebrate for a minute now and really kind of take a look at what you've been able to achieve and really appreciate that or has your has your mind already moved on to what's next i mean i wish i i don't know why but i'm always unsatisfied um so i'm always striving for more and i mean i thought yeah when, when we talked last i was like yeah I'll, once we get over the championship i'll be able to relax everything will be fine and now i've gotten past the championship we won the championship and i'm already got the mindset okay what's happening for next year what what do i need to do um to solidify myself with with indycar uh, so i guess not really i don't, I don't know why but I, I wish i could just sit back and relax and enjoy this 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 moment but 
something in my mind is just telling me I need to keep, I need to keep my head down. That's reassuring. Cause I think that's a racing car driver gene. So you've got that and that's in the bag. So you're all, you're all good. <laughs> you <know? laughs> maybe it is, but maybe it is, but it's a bit annoying at the same time. Cause I'm not, I'm not relaxed yet, which I thought I would be. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I guess before we move on, we should ask you about next year. And obviously you're not in a position to announce anything yet, but obviously the, the scholarship that you've won kind of points you towards IndyCar now and, and really gives you a, an opportunity there to try and put something together. Is that the, the the kind of the chief focus at the minute is looking at trying to secure something in IndyCar or do you still have kind of eyes on on other options that you've got? Uh, it, the the utmost goal is IndyCar at the moment. Um, I'm going to do everything in my power to, to have a full-time seat next year in IndyCar and we'll see what we'll, we'll see what will work out. There's um, there's some really good, there's some really good possible opportunities that can come together, um, but some some pieces need to fall into place. And I think we'll know more here in the next three weeks is kind of our timeline to, to really know what's going to happen. Um, but no, we're, we're working hard to get something done. The scholarship definitely helps. It's a nice incentive for, I think, any team to want to bring on a young driver having $1.37 million behind them sure. um, due, due to the scholarship is uh, – is nice but even if um if something doesn't work out which i don't i don't see that happening at the moment um i'll still look to do the three races that that are guaranteed with that scholarship right sure sure i know a lot of people out there whether it's fans or what kind of people you've covered your career are all keen to to see you get that chance in indycar so i'm sure there'll be a lot of people kind of with their fingers crossed and, and hoping you get something sorted didn't want to sort of move too far away from the season and talk a little bit about how everything kind of played out for you this year. And it's been an interesting season that obviously didn't really get off to the the ideal start for you and, and the Andretti team. And, you know, where do you kind of feel like the point was where you really started to believe that you were seriously in contention for the championship this year because of the kind of roller coaster nature of it in many ways? Um, I'd say the, the whole year we knew we'd be good, right? It's yeah. not, I, I had a lot of confidence in the team. Um, and, and with my abilities as well to, to get the job done. Um, probably more confidence going into the season than, than I've ever had. Um, but yeah, there, there were some, there was definitely some weekends where we were, there was a curveball thrown at us and we, we didn't expect to be slow those being kind of um, Andy GP and in Portland, but then there was places where we didn't expect to be too fast and we were, we were, really fast and those were uh, road america typically isn't isn't a track where where andretti thrives but what we did over the off season and private testing there clearly worked and and so did it for laguna as well because if you look back uh, at 19 um andretti clearly wasn't wasn't that fast and at laguna we did some private testing at the beginning of the year everything went to or we were we were extremely happy with the car at the end of testing and we we're like man we should have a good a good spot but so did hmd they thought that they were going to be really solid so the, we both brought our cars there and we definitely came out on top um so there's a lot of back and forth this year and luckily uh we were on the upside for most of it yeah you've already paid tribute to the to the andretti team obviously for the role they've played in your success but wanted to kind of go back a little bit to the kind of unusual nature of 2020 with no Indy Lights championship happening. And that's obviously when you should have had your, your kind of debut uh, season in Indy Lights. And uh, I guess if there's any one positive we can, 
we can kind of look at here. It gave you an extra year to kind of work with all the people that you've met here behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, I, I know you're a, a big fan of the the, the kind of calibre of, of staff and the people you're able to speak to behind the scenes there at Andretti. Tell us a little bit about what it's kind of been to, to be in that setup. Well, I mean, we didn't, we didn't do much last year, right? So in 2020, after, after the, um, once we took the hiatus, I wasn't back into the car until February of, of this year. So we took a long period off and, um, but I was also in close contact with my mechanics, my engineer management here at Indretti. Um, so we were able to build a relationship before the start of the season, which definitely helped, but more importantly, um, I was able to, to drive the Lexus faster Sullivan car all last year, um, which I thought I was out of a seat. I wouldn't be driving for a while. And it, it ended up being a really big deal for me because there's a lot that I learned with, with pit stops and strategy calls, and fuel saving, tire saving that I wouldn't have learned this year in light. So uh, it's all worked out in, in my favor, I believe. I guess finally, I wanted to ask you, if there's been a favorite kind of moment, I guess, you know, yesterday must rank really high, but I wanted to ask you personally, you know, what has been, you know, this is your road to indie career kind of coming to an end now. So if you can look back and, and kind of reflect on that just for a minute, what's been the the kind of the, the biggest moment for you, do you feel? Well, I, I, I think it would be um, pretty obvious to say yesterday yeah. winning the championship and their treacherous conditions at mid Ohio, we were running close to 40 seconds off the pace and the wet, and it wasn't even that wet. So the track was just absolutely horrendous. And I think it just, just a sigh of relief when we finished there was, was an incredible feeling. And looking back at what we've done in, in my three years in, in the championship between all the teams, it's a, it's almost like a sad moment leaving all of that behind. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's been my, it's been my life for the past three years. And now it's, I'm out of, I guess, maybe technically out of junior formula. Uh, moving up it's a it's a sad moment but at the at the same time it's a it's a sweet moment right because been able to get it done done everything I think to the best of our ability and um, it's all worked out perfectly but yeah other otherwise I think Portland was was an incredible moment for us race wise because we we really just didn't have the pace there and qualifying and to be able to get the win there that's what that's I think that was uh that was a game changer for our championship was was at Portland because we overcame some some obstacles and uh, were able to take two fourth and fifth starting places and put it first and second, um, which was crucial. Yeah, well, you're an old man now. No more junior single seat racing for you, Kyle. You're gonna have to uh, off into the big adult world now. But I'm sure we're all very excited to see how that uh, sort of comes to fruition in in 2022. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, like I said earlier. You know, looking forward to seeing where you where you kind of end up. So it's always a pleasure, and thanks for joining us on on this episode, Kyle. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Jack, thank you so much for having me. No problem. That's the end of this week's episode, and we'll be back soon with another the Race IndyCar podcast. <laughs>